0: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents. Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. I'm sure you'd be interested, so I thought I might define. A charnel house. According to Webster, it is a house, vault, or other place where dead bodies, or the bones of the dead, are deposited or piled up. Why do I bring up such a gruesome subject? Join me in our story, and tell me later whether or not I should have. Just for openers, as a case in point. Mr. Garrick, what are they? House pets, I get
1: hey, hey! Those are Doberman Pinschers. Get behind me, Miss Pryor!
2: Are they dangerous? They're attack dogs.
1: Vicious. If I can't stop them, then you will run for your life.
0: Our mystery drama, The Charnel House, was written especially for the mystery theater by Ian Martin and stars Roberta Maxwell. I'll be back shortly with Act One. At the turn of the century, the last place anyone would have connected with a charnel house was the prestigious Chisholm Clinic, some 30 miles northwest of Boston on the rugged shores of Cape Ann. Dr. Carlton Chisholm had poured his life savings into a miracle palace of diagnostics... for those who could be rescued from the shadow of death. And a haven for those who could not be helped to escape it. But dark shadows lurked behind the bright promise... as Jane Pryor is about to discover.
3: By the time I got off the train at Marblehead... and into the Hackney carriage, I was exhausted the long 12-day trip that had brought me home from Vienna had been a nightmare, tortured by fears and uncertainty. Now that I was on the final lap, the last thing I wanted to do was to make conversation.
1: In all the rush, I didn't get a chance to introduce myself. I'm Dr. Stephen Garrick. How do you do? May I ask your name, Miss... Uh, It is Miss, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is. Miss Jane Pryor. Oh.
1: I, uh, I don't mean to pry, but... Are you headed for the same place as me?
3: I don't know. I don't know where you're headed.
1: Oh, I thought from the fact I was a doctor. I mean, I'm going to the Chisholm Clinic. So am I. You work there? No. Well, you certainly can't be a patient.
3: I'm going to visit my father. He's a patient there.
1: Oh, good. I I, I mean, I'm sorry he's a patient, of course. What, What I meant was, if you visit there often, I thought I could ask you a couple of things about it. I'm just about to start there. It's all new to me.
3: I'm afraid it's just as new to me, too, Dr. Garrick.
1: Oh? Your father just took ill recently?
3: No. He's been a patient at the clinic for... Uh, for a little over a year now.
1: I-, I didn't mean to upset you, Miss Pryor.
3: I only hope that... <laughs> that there isn't anything for me to be upset about.
1: I sure hope so, too. What, uh, What's the nature of your father's illness?
3: A year ago, he had a bad fall and fractured his hip. He wrote me from Chisholm Clinic to say that it had been reset, but that he would be spending quite a while there till it healed.
1: Quite a while? A year?
3: Longer than that, actually. Fourteen months. Oh, I wanted to come to him, but he put me off. It was a long trip, and it would have been very expensive.
1: You were out of the country?
3: I was in Vienna, studying voice. I was to be there two years.
1: I see. Your father is an older man?
3: Oh, no, he's quite young, really. I mean, I I don't know exactly how old he is, but somewhere in his late 40s. We exchanged letters every week at first, and he seemed to be coming along quite well. Then there was some sort of setback, and apparently they had to operate again. But he was very cheerful about it and insisted that I must not come home. There was nothing I could do anyway.
1: Certainly with the reputation that Chisholm Clinic has, he was under the best of care.
3: I knew that. And also, Dr. Chisholm was an old friend of the family, practically an uncle of mine. So I didn't worry that much till about three months ago.
1: What happened then?
3: All of a sudden, my father's letters just stopped coming.
1: But you kept writing to him? More often.
3: The last two letters I even sent directly to Dr. Chisholm.
1: Were your letters returned to you?
3: No, no. Even the ones I sent to our house in Boston.
1: Well, it's a big ocean, and mail does go astray. I'm sure there must be some simple explanation.
3: I'm sure there must be. Anyway, I'm being a fool, since I'll find out very shortly now.
1: I, uh, I wish to help you any way I can.
3: You already have. Now, that's enough about me. Tell me about yourself. You're quite young for a doctor, aren't you?
1: <laughs> it's the way you get to be when you're just fresh out of med school.
3: Will this be your first job?
1: Sure will. And not a moment too soon. What do you mean? Well, I more or less had to put myself through medical school. So it had to be a small one. And you don't waltz into good internships that easy if you're not from one of the bigger schools. In fact, I just about given up hope when this fell open. I mean, the Chisholm Clinic, that's really hitting the jackpot.
3: I congratulate you.
1: Yes. What a piece of luck.
3: You say the job fell open... How did that
1: happen? Well, that's the part that's not so good. The guy they had was in his second year. He was carrying around a virulent culture in a test tube and somehow it slipped and in trying to catch it, he cut his hand and got it infected.
3: Is he very ill?
1: Not anymore. He got blood poisoning through his whole system and died of it two days ago. Do you have luggage?
3: Just a small bag. I can manage it.
1: Let me help you down. Thank you. You're welcome. I, uh, I suppose I won't be seeing you again.
3: I suppose not.
1: Mm. Will you be going back to Boston tonight?
3: I don't know. That depends on how I find my... my father.
1: I hope you find him in the best of health. I'd just like to say... If I can ever be of any help...
3: I'm sure I can manage everything now.
1: I don't think you understand. I'm not trying to take advantage of a chance of You may need help, Miss Pryor.
3: I had scarcely reached the cover of the portico before the rain came. Since I was sheltered, I hesitated before ringing the bell. Strange way, Doctor Stephen Garrett had said that I might need help. Emphasizing the word need had caught my ear. I had the uneasy feeling that had haunted me all the way from Europe that something was very wrong. But as Doctor Garrett came up the steps carrying his bag, the door suddenly opened to reveal a tall woman in a nurse's uniform
2: with a forbidding hatchet face. Good afternoon. You would be Dr. Garrett? That's right. I'm Head Nurse Banyan. Uh, we were expecting you, but couldn't spare anyone to meet you at the station. Uh, come in. Thank you, Nurse Banyan. But I think, first of all. We can talk after you're in. The wind is blowing the rain, and I'm getting wet. Well, I only wanted to introduce Miss. Oh, no, M- I didn't see you there. Is she with you,
3: Doctor?
1: Then we came in a hackney together.
3: What can
2: I do for you, Miss? I'm here to visit my father. He's one of your patients. Well, uh, shall we step in before we get soaked? Suppose you drop your bags by the whole tree, young man. Dr. Mandley will want to see you. I'll take you to him just as soon as I get this young person straightened away. Uh, We were not expecting any visitors. Why didn't you write? I did before I left Vienna. Vienna, Austria? Yes. I couldn't give you an exact date because I didn't know when I would arrive. Visitation hours for permanent guests are once a month on the weekends. Not till a week from Saturday. I've come over 4,000 miles to see my father
3: and I intend to see him now, today, this minute. Uh, May I inquire the name of the patient? Mr. Robert Pryor. And he's a close friend of Dr. Chisholm's.
2: I, uh... I think you had uh, better talk to Dr. Manley, Miss Pryor. You'll uh, have to wait, Dr. Garrick. That's all right. I don't mind.
3: I don't want to talk to anyone else but my father. Of course. But you must see Dr.
2: Manley first. Why? Who is this Dr. Manley? At the present time, he is the head of this clinic. Uh, This way, please, Miss Pryor.
3: He turned and headed towards one side of the big hall. My head was clamoring with unasked questions. I had a sick sense
2: of foreboding. What is it, nurse? Dr. Manley, uh, this is Miss Jane Pryor, the daughter of Mr. Robert Pryor. Robert Pryor. Oh, my
0: dear Miss Pryor, yes, come in, come in. Won't you please sit down?
3: Dr. Manley, I want to know what's going on here. I'm not a fool. Obviously, there's something very... very wrong. It's father, isn't it? What's wrong?
0: Well, I thought, of course, you knew. I, I, I'm i afraid that your father is... dead, Miss Pryor. Oh.
3: When did it happen?
0: Uh, about two weeks ago. Oh, no. Oh, father... Uh, close the door, nurse, and uh, fetch some brandy in the decanter. Uh, now, Miss Pryor, you must try to relax. I know what a terrible shock this must have been.
3: All the pent-up emotions of the last 12 days, the agonizing frustrations of what had seemed like an endless journey, a strain of trying to turn away from the terrible presentiment that my father might be dead hit me. I felt the wound spin, and I must have fainted for a while. When I came to, I was saying, Why didn't
0: someone write and tell me? But we did, my dear. Apparently our litter must have reached Vienna after you left. But
3: but how could he die? I mean, just of a broken hip?
0: Your father had a great deal more than that's the matter with him.
3: You mean the other operations?
0: I mean the cause of them, something we were not able to arrest.
3: I don't understand.
0: Your father had osteomyelitis, my dear. What's that? A disease of the bone and the bone marrow. The disease has a normally slow growth, but in your father's case, the deterioration was very rapid. Oh, I assure you he had every care, everything that money could buy. Even after the money ran out, the clinic provided the same lavish care for him, but to no avail. The money ran out? (laughs) The cost of medical care can be astronomical. But then what is more precious than life, if it can be saved?
3: But if there's no money left, what am I going to do?
0: Well, I thought, I, I mean, you were off in Europe, and your father was not exactly a rich man. We, we thought you were independently wealthy.
3: I had to beg, borrow, and steal to get myself home. I have less than two dollars in the whole world. I don't know what... Oh, yes. Yes, I, I do know what... I want to see Dr. Chisholm.
0: Well, I'm
2: afraid that won't be possible. Uh, perhaps we could uh, put up Miss Pryor for the night, Dr. Manley, and uh, tomorrow she could talk to Dr. Chisholm.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's that's an excellent idea, Nurse Banyan. And I shall prescribe a sedative for her so that she may have a good long rest, the one she needs. Miss Pryor, I won't take no for an answer. You must be our guest.
3: I had this dreadful urge to run. Run from someone who seemed only trying to be kind. In any case, where was there to run to?
0: the good Dr. Manley and his somewhat forbidding head nurse just exactly what they seem and as much the accidental victims of the slow and chancy communications of 80 years ago? Or is this as Jane somehow senses a case of step into my parlor said the spider to the fly? I shall return shortly with act two. instincts may have told her. A practical assessment of the spot she finds herself in have drowned them out, and she has spent the night at the Chisholm Clinic in a long, dreamless sleep. One pleasant surprise has been that instead of the aseptic coldness of a hospital room, it has been spent on a soft, quilted bed in an exquisitely furnished bedroom on the second floor of the main building. Awake early and already dressed, She is gazing out at the sunrise from this room.
3: The sun was just rising. It was a lovely, brisk, fall day outside. In spite of the long rest, my head felt heavy and my eyes swollen and puffed. I had an urge to get out and breathe some of that air to clear my head. I went downstairs, seeing no one, crossed the empty hall slipped the chain from the door and let myself out. I came off the porch, remembering the sea and turning to walk in that direction. I could begin to see other buildings now. A large, fairly new one that must be the clinic proper. A big, old one far in the distance. Other buildings dotted about. Before I had gone very far... Well,
1: surprise. Good morning, Miss Pryor.
3: Good morning, Dr. Garrick. Where did you pop up from?
1: The clinic over there. They put me right on duty yesterday. Haven't even found a billet for me yet. I'm on my way over to administration to find a bed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm beat. I must look a mess.
3: Not at all. You look very efficient in your white.
1: <laughs> Skivvies. The clothes make the man. But what are you doing here still? About your father?
3: He's dead.
1: yes. I know.
3: Oh, how did you know?
1: Yesterday, when you went in to see Dr. Manley, I couldn't help overhearing while the door was open. There's something wrong, isn't there? Any way I can help?
3: I'm afraid not.
1: I really want to. If you just... What the devil? What is it? What are they? house pets, I get... Hey, those are pinchers. Get behind me, Miss Pryor. Are they... Right? They're attack dogs. Down, boys. Down. I can't stop them. I'll keep them busy. <laughs> then you run for us. But, doctor, Listen to me. They're busy. Down. hear
0: me? Down. Sit. 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 <laughs> Easy, then. Right. Easy. Stay.
1: Oh, sh- Sure, I'm glad you showed up. Who are you? Who are you? Dr. Garrick. And this is... Mr. We ain't got no Dr. Garrick here. I just
0: joined the ranks yesterday. Oh, you're the new intern? That's right. Who are you, sister? Well, this is Miss Pryor. Let her answer for herself. Now, just a minute. Who do you think you are? I'll tell you, Doc. The name is Morris, the enforcer. I'm in charge of security around here. You break my rules. I'm the bot. Please,
3: don't. Don't argue. My name is Pryor. Jane Pryor. My father is... was... A patient here.
0: How did you get on the grounds?
3: I came yesterday afternoon.
0: And stayed the night? Yes. I never heard of no visitors staying overnight.
3: It was Dr. Mandley's
0: suggestion. Oh. Well, I'll check on that, you know. Why don't
1: you go do that, Mr. Enforcer, and take your two brutes with you? I'm
0: not quite finished. Where was you headed, miss, at this time in the morning?
3: I wanted some air. I thought I'd walk down to the sea.
0: And you, Doctor? They haven't given me a place to live yet.
1: I was working at the clinic, and I was going over to administration to see Dr. Manley or someone about
0: getting somewhere to sleep. Okay. Now, you know this. From sundown to sunup, the dogs are loose. Anyone wants to move around outside, you check with me first. What is this, a prison? No, Doc. But you see that big old building down there? We got a lot of strange cookies in there. Ain't got their heads screwed on right. For their protection, as well as everybody else, we make sure everybody stays where he won't get hurt. And you better get back inside.
2: All
0: right. mm-hmm. I guess we better get inside.
3: What a terrible man.
1: Yes. I'd like to catch him without those dogs of his and...
3: I, I don't think you want to tangle with him. He looks awfully powerful. Like a bouncer or an ex-pug. I can't understand, Uncle... Dr. Chisholm having a man like that in his employ I think I'll speak to him about it when I see him Uh Uh-oh What is it?
1: We have a reception committee Dragon Lady, Nurse Banyan
3: I suppose she's looking for me
1: Will I see you again?
3: I don't expect so My father is dead and I've found out I have no money I don't know where I'm going to be The peremptorily told Dr. Garrick she would show him to his room and that Dr. Mandley was waiting to see me. In his study, I found him in operating whites and in a rather strange mood.
0: First of all, let me apologize for the earliness of the hour, but I shall be in surgery all morning. I, uh... I didn't know that you knew Dr. Chisholm so closely.
3: Well, I... I don't anymore... I haven't seen him since I was 10 or 11.
0: I see. But you and your father were very close to him.
3: Oh, yes. Uh, In a certain way. I mean, my father was Dr. Chisholm's driver till he moved out here to open the clinic.
0: Oh, your father didn't come with him?
3: No. Uh, he, He didn't want to take me away from my music school and teachers. So the doctor helped him get his own carriage and hackney service. That's how he was able to afford to send me to Europe.
0: I had no idea he was a special friend of Dr. Chisholm's.
3: He was visiting the doctor out here when he broke his hip. Didn't you know that?
0: Uh, Why, no. I, I wasn't on his case.
3: I'm surprised that Dr. Chisholm in all that time never mentioned it.
0: Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, there's one reason I wanted to see you. First of all, let me say that Dr. Chisholm is deeply grieved, deeply, at your tragic loss. He wants me to convey to you that you must make your home here until well, until you can make whatever other arrangements you decide. But
3: I can't. I I can't take charity like that.
0: Well, tell you what, if it'll make you feel better, you can help us here. We're always short handed. We can make you a nurse's aide.
3: I don't really know anything about hospitals.
0: Oh. Banyan will take you in hand teach you all you need to know I must tell you this will make Dr. Chisholm very happy and I want to make it quite clear this was his desire
3: yes but well if I'm going to see him myself why do you have to tell me all this Dr. Mandley
0: my dear little girl you say you haven't seen Dr. Chisholm in several years well I'm afraid you must prepare yourself for quite a shock he had a rather massive stroke just after your father uh, joined us. And his recovery has been distressingly slow. Distressingly slow.
2: It, here's little Miss Pryor coming to see you, Dr. Chisholm. What?
1: Who's that?
2: Uh, Nurse Banyan.
1: Not you,
3: Who? It's me, Uncle
2: Carl. Remember, little Janie?
1: Janie. Little Janie. Janie Pryor. Don't
3: you remember, Uncle Carl, how I used to come here summers and we'd run down to the water and how you taught me to swim and all the places, the secret places you showed me in the rocks? And the shells we gathered. And how we'd run on the sand.
1: Shells. Sand. Yes. Little brown legs. Sturdy legs. Oh, Jeannie. Little Janie.
3: Oh, you do remember. I'm here, Uncle Carl. Oh,
1: don't. Good to have you back. Don't go away.
3: I... Hmm? I I won't till you're better
1: (laughs) Children Lonely men need children Lucky man, Pryor Good man Where is, where is, Pryor?
3: Doesn't he know?
2: He does, but he forgets You'd better leave him now
3: But I just came
2: Where's Janie?
1: Little Janie.
2: I'm here, Uncle Carl, here. But Janie's going to have to leave. It's time. You're doing him harm. Go. I've got to sedate him. Janie. I...
3: I have to go now, Uncle Carl. Don't
1: go away. Don't
2: leave.
3: I promise. I won't leave. I'll stay for as long as you need me. So I stayed. A week passed, and I was kept so busy I had little chance to see Uncle Carl. There was another huge building I came to know, down by the sea, filled with human flotsam and jetsam. The elderly, the nearly senile, the lame and the crippled, the unwanted, deserted by their families. They needed help, too, and I tried to give it to them. As the days passed, I wondered that I hadn't run into Dr. Garrick. And then, one day as I was wheeling a new arrival to her room...
1: Well, it's a small world.
3: Dr. Garrick, fancy meeting you here.
1: No accident, I was looking for you. I've got
3: to talk to you. I I can't right now. I... Oh, Dr. Garrick, I want you to meet one of our new guests. This is Mrs. Elizabeth Browning.
2: (laughs) Not Mr. Robert Browning's wife. The poetess, although... Heaven knows I'm old enough.
1: Pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Browning. I find you as ageless as the first one.
2: Oh, my. Such a nice bedside manner. Don't waste it on me. Save it for the young lady. Oh,
1: but she's not my young lady.
2: Uh, yes, but keep trying. Go talk to him, Miss. Fire, he has something he wants to say to you. I can't leave you alone. Oh, of course you can, my dear. I can wheel this chair myself into my own room. As for being alone, it's a condition of the old. One gets quite used to it. Nice to have met you, Dr. Garrick.
1: We'll meet again, I hope.
3: I don't want to leave that sweet old lady alone. What is it you want, Doctor?
1: I... I've got to talk to you.
3: All right. But not
1: here. I... Oh, Lord, here comes the dragon. Now I've got to fade. I'll find some place where we can talk in private. What about? I can't tell you here. Just this one thing, if we don't get a chance soon. Get out. Get out of this place, I beg you.
0: Before it's too late. establishment with its atmosphere of mystery and decay. This land of the lost, of the abandoned, the mutilated, and the insane. I shall return shortly with Act Three. us really likes a hospital, but we applaud its function and its efficiency to heal. We are less fond of an asylum or a sanitarium, but again, it has a goal, to help bind up the wounds of the mind and return people to their worlds again. But no one can like a hospital for chronic cases. For those who have no family, or a family who either can't or won't care for them anymore, and worst of all, for those who can't afford to pay for care, to whom the last refuge of the human soul, the preservation of dignity, has been denied.
2: Jane? Yes, Miss Banyan? Was that Dr. Garrick you were just talking to? Yes. What was he doing here in this building? I don't know. I suppose his duty. His duty is confined strictly to the medical clinic. I'll have a few words with that, young man. Oh, uh, where did you put Mrs. Browning? I put her right here in five. It's empty now, and... She does not belong here. Take her upstairs to 51. Oh, the oh, general ward?
3: But she doesn't belong there. She's not The sick. woman is senile. Indeed, she is not. She's bright as a penny. May I remind you that you are not a doctor? I don't have to be for this. Why, if you put this sweet little lady up with all those poor, sick women.
2: I want to talk to Dr. Chisholm. I'm sure he wouldn't allow it. You are to stay away from Dr. Chisholm. Your presence is not good for him. He's had quite a setback since your visit.
3: I don't believe it. And you can't keep me from seeing him. The orders are not mine.
2: They come from Dr. Mandley. Then I'll go to him. As you wish. In the meantime... As long as you are working here, get Mrs. Browning up to 51 and right now.
3: I felt like an executioner, but I followed orders and took her upstairs. When I left her, she was wheeling about brightly among those sad old women and scattering cheer like popcorn. The rest of the day, I couldn't get her out of my mind. I tried to see Dr. Manley but was told he was out for the evening. I went up to my bed in the deepest depression I ever remembered being in.
1: Don't be afraid. And keep your voice down, Jane. Jane? Well, sooner or later, Steve and Jane might as well be now. Though I could have picked a better time.
3: What is all this about?
1: I don't know at all yet. Just enough to make me sick to my stomach. And scared to death for anyone who doesn't carry a fat wallet or a stethoscope. Which is why I want you out.
3: I can't leave here. First of all, I haven't any money.
1: I'll give you all I've got.
3: Steve, you know I can't. What is it?
1: This place, the Chisholm Clinic. When I was a pre-med student, all through med school, how I revered it, looked up to it. The house of life. The miracles that happened here. The breakthroughs. The new techniques. I wanted to intern here more than anything I've ever wanted in my life. I applied. But, as I told you, it was my best friend who got the job. How I envied him that first year he was here. The letters. His admiration for Dr. Chisholm. The way he had it made. Then the letters stopped. And he didn't reply to any of mine until until he smuggled a letter out to me I won't go into most of it I'll just quote a couple of sentences that are burned on my brain this place is a charnel house it reeks of death and the ones who profit on it they have destroyed Dr. Chisholm and I suppose they will destroy me I have only one last word
3: What was he talking about?
1: It was too vague and emotional for me to know. I took it to a doctor I know who is high in medical councils. I was surprised that it got so much attention. He became part of a group that enlisted my help. When my friend died suddenly, it was they who secured me my appointment here to try to find enough evidence for doctors to move against the ones who run this clinic now.
3: Dr. Mandley and Nurse Banyan? Yes. Evidence of what?
1: (laughs) Name a crime in the book they haven't committed. Overcharging on a colossal scale? Faulty diagnosis? Deliberate or through ignorance? A policy that anyone seeking refuge for old age must sign over all their
3: assets? But isn't that standard procedure?
1: Where the home guarantees complete service until the patient's death.
3: Don't they hear?
1: Sure, as long as they shall live. Only they don't live.
3: What are you saying?
1: I told you it was a trimal house. There are other neat tricks for making money. Carrying a patient on the books long after the patient has passed on.
3: How can they get away with that? It's
1: simple. The people who pay the bills are only too anxious not to be saddled with the problem. They never check up.
3: They may be paying money for people who have been dead for months? That's right. Oh, I... I can't believe it.
1: You'd better believe it. There's another neat little trick you might as well be aware of. What? They don't carry anyone who can't bear the freight.
3: What do you mean?
1: I mean, you'd better not run out of money, like your sweet little Mrs. Browning. It's as good as signing your death warrant if they need the space and think they can get away with it. Oh, no. Now, do you see why I want you out of here?
3: I see a lot more than that. Father. That's what happened to him, wasn't it? I mean, he... Didn't die just recently. He's been dead for quite a while. Ever since his letters stopped.
1: I think his death may have been one of the many my friend had discovered. He was ready to blow the whole thing wide open. That's why he got killed.
3: He didn't die of blood poisoning.
1: If he did, I'll bet my hat it wasn't spontaneous.
3: And Doctor Chisholm.
1: Oh, there's no doubt he had a stroke. That's when Manley had his chance to take over completely. But they had to keep him alive because his prestige was too important to the whole scheme.
3: I'm... I'm sick to my stomach.
1: Sick enough to get out of here like I tell you?
3: What are you going to do?
1: Stay here till I can gather enough evidence to prove all I'm telling you.
3: I want to stay and help. No. Why
1: not? Don't you see why? Because... I love you.
3: That's ridiculous.
1: I agree, but there it is. I have since the first moment I met you.
3: Maybe it isn't ridiculous So have I
1: Oh, my darling I never thought <laughs> What is it? You fell over something
3: Oh, that it's, it's some kind of heat register or listen, fresh air duct I or something you. I tripped over it myself
1: Please,
2: Never mind it, Steve it's time to... What about us? Shh. Listen Get down with me Where? On the floor be By the register Oh, don't run scared Shh, Listen
0: Our cover is gone Dr. Chisholm just had another massive stroke. In spite of all we could do, we lost him to cardiac arrest. All right, it was inevitable.
2: We can cover long enough to get out free. I'm not so sure. Everything is piling up. Remember the Pecula girl? I think so. Haven't we been carrying her on the secret dead roll? For over a year. So what? Her father and mother couldn't care less. According to this
0: letter I've just received, a favorite uncle out of the blue cares a great deal... So much so, he plans to visit his niece this weekend. Day after tomorrow. The girl's been dead for ten months. Uh, We have to offer him proof she hasn't. He hasn't seen her since she was a child. And so it appears. So, uh You mean the one upstairs? Jane Pryor? She's one of the loose ends we must tie up eventually. She'd never go along with it. How could you persuade My us? dear Martha, we don't need her cooperation. Only a young body. I didn't say it had to be alive. That's enough for the night. I'm tired. Settles it. We've got to get you out of here tonight.
3: How, Steve? Remember?
1: The dogs. The dogs patrol the fence. They're knocked down by the water.
3: If we could avoid the dogs...
1: We could go that way. Ah, not without a boat. I've checked. The fence runs way beyond low tide. Built up on jetties beyond that. It's too cold and too rough to swim. No way there.
3: But of course there is. The caves.
1: What caves?
3: The caves that Uncle Carl and I... Dr. Chisholm used to explore when I was a little girl. You can find your way through them halfway to Marblehead. You think you still could? I never stopped to think about it before. But now that I do, I know I could. We had stopped only to take the documentary evidence that Steve needed, hastily bundled into two knapsacks and a portmanteau. Somehow, through guile or luck, we had evaded the dogs and found our way down to the top of the cliffs that guarded the south end of the beach. Then, all of a sudden, a bright torch stabbed out, pinning us in its beam.
0: Ah, ain't that a pretty sight. You are going somewhere, Sonny? And your little girlfriend, Miss
1: Playa? We're minding our own business. Why don't you mind yours?
0: Come right down to it, I got the inside track. This is really my business. Could you say the same? We've got to get
1: past him. Get his attention.
0: Where are your dogs? (laughs) They're loose somewheres. And don't forget... Once they are, Morris here is the only one who can call them off. What? The... It looks as though someone else is loose beside your dog. It's too bad for them, meep. <laughs> Why, you bit squeak, doctor. You think you can take me over the blind cider? I'll make mincemeat out of you. I've got a rock. Don't make me use it. You just try it.
1: I've been looking forward to this.
2: No, Steve. Stay back, Jane. Come here, You
1: Sarboon.
2: No, I can't swim. What happened? I tripped him. He was going to
1: kill you. He slipped and fell into the sea. I can't just let him die. Maybe I can get down to him somehow. And... Oh,
2: oh. Margo! Margot, the dogs! Call them off! I told you we shouldn't have come home. Where's Morris. I don't know. Hands! Gretel, down! Oh, I, I, I can't control them! Morris! Don't you scream! They're getting, getting them excited! Auntie, don't you see them? Kill us! Morris! Morris! Oh, no! Margo! No! Hold oh,
1: them! Oh. Where are you going, Jane?
3: We've got to try to get help.
1: It's too late, and we couldn't anyway. They're only getting what they deserve.
3: But they are human beings.
1: After what they've done, not in my book. Come on, darling. Those dogs have tasted blood. And with no one to call them off, none of us is safe. Let's get out of here while we still are.
3: I suppose that Nurse Banion must have checked my room and found me missing. Perhaps she was suspicious of Steve also. There's no way of knowing why they panicked and came out of the house after dark to expose themselves to the dogs. Probably they thought they were safe because Morris was there to call them off. Only Morris wasn't. He was already dead. And now, so were they.
0: Dr. Chisholm died, but his clinic went on living. The same group of doctors who had arranged for Steve Garrick to investigate it took over. They planned to run it only until Dr. Garrick was ready and accredited to take over. They had as deep a faith in this young doctor as his wife, the former Jane Pryor had. No two people were more wedded to the proposition that no one should be allowed to approach death without dignity. I'll be back shortly. This was a story of almost a century ago when communications were slow and unsophisticated. And you might think that many things were conceivable which no longer are today. But treatment of the elderly, as you can confirm for yourself by reading any big city daily, is always an opening for the ruthless. It's a sad fact that wherever there is money to be made, there are always people who don't care how it is made. Our cast included Roberta Maxwell, Gordon Gould, Grace Matthews, and Court Benson.